You know, working the beautification department, that was a really laid out job. And the guards, they didn't really sweat you hard at all. Most of the time when you finish your assignment, your time was yours to use wise. I would work out. Then I would settle down into what I would call my wick meditation. Wick stood for working imagination creatively. And here, I would sit down with my eyes closed and I would visualize myself playing the drums in some great venue with my family or either masking as flag boy, Mardi Gras morning with this grand multitude of people that consisted of family, friends, and the neighborhood followers. So, so. Somebody got a soul, so, so. Last time on Finding Life's Rhythm, Walter Harris started to discover who he was in prison. He found the Quran and the Muslim community, started to evolve his thinking on the Bible, and discovered what would be a life-changing book as a man thinker. But what would his life be like when he got out of prison? Would he be back in the Ninth Ward, wrapped up in drug culture, with a path leading right back to prison or worse? That happens to so many, but for Walter, he didn't want to take that road. He imagined his life when he got out as completely different, and he was determined to make his dream a reality. Somebody got a soul, soul, soul. Somebody got a soul, soul, soul. I'm Sierra Thompson, and this is episode three, The Power of Imagination. For many of us, we look forward to what lies ahead. What will be that first job when we graduate from college? Where will we live? Will we find friends or a partner? I know when I was in college, I thought about all of these things. I didn't know what city I would end up in or if I would even find a job in my field. Not to mention, I graduated in May of 2020, which made all these uncertainties much stronger. For Walter in prison, that power of imagination was even more critical than for most of us, because it was an escape from reality. It was a freedom to think and believe he could be something more when he got out, because the reality he was facing was pretty dismal. After being in jail for eight months in New Orleans, I was then shipped to prison. My first job was in the garment factory. This was pretty unusual from what I heard. Normally they said you would go straight to the field, but I did get a chance to work the garment factory for about six to seven months. Until one day, I was late for roll call. Didn't realize how serious that was. They said that it was a security risk, not alone an aggravated work offense. That led me to five days of solitary confinement. And after those five days of solitary confinement, I went to classification. And they decided that maybe I should go in the field. That wasn't a good experience at all, having to work under four guys with shotguns. This really was an unenjoyable experience for me. The biggest time I spent in De Quincey from that moment was going back and forth to the cell block for disobedience or aggravated disobedience. And after so many write-ups, you go to solitary confinement. But after so many times of solitary confinement, they would ship you to a medium security prison. De Quincey was actually a minimum security prisoner. 
it was for prisoners who were pretty model guys who had been down for a while. And I had not yet reached that point. In fact, I was fresh off the streets with a really, really bad attitude and had not adjusted to the prison system as of yet. And it was a complete culture shock for me. So after being in solitary confinement for another aggravated work offense, they decided to ship me to a medium security prison. And this prison was called WCI. Here I was placed in the working cell block where you were still working the field, but you didn't have the freedom of the yard or the libraries or anything of that nature. You would go to work, you go back to your cell block, and you may get an hour and a half for TV time in the TV room. After three months of working in the working cell block, I went to classification without a write-up and was rewarded back into population at WCI. I heard they had a prison band here as well. And once back into population, I met this guy named Freddie. Freddie was the band leader. And he welcomed me in to the band room to see how well I could play. He said there was a need for a drummer. He was pretty impressed by the way I played. So once I played, he seemed to be very excited and went looking for the recreational guards to let him know that we found a new drummer. This would be a turning point in Walter's life, where the world, even if it was just prison initially, would start to notice his talent, and that would define part of who he is. And playing in the prison band came with perks as well. So within 90 days, these guys made sure that I was rewarded with a trustee status, which allowed me to travel in and out of the prison. With this trustee status, my job changed, and I became a part of the beautification department which consists of working the Blueberry Farm, working the Highway Litter Patrol, and also working the front of the prison, which was really great to be in prison and be able to leave every day. But then there was a catch-22 in that as well, and that was that daily had to be strip-searched. I found that to be a pretty uncomfortable situation to be in However, I made the best of it because I was able to play my drums and it was what I asked for in my creative imagination process. It manifested. So now I'm here working the Blueberry Garden and the guys asked that I only work the Blueberry Garden because they were so impressed by my work and they loved me being in the Blueberry Garden. So the Blueberry Garden became one of my main jobs. So now, I don't have to go on the highway and work. This really made my prison sentence much lighter. Not to mention, this is right around the time I started to study James Allen as a man thinking. Even though I didn't really understand creative visualization at the time, I happened to know how to use my imagination very vividly, and I felt comfortable with using my visualization. I visualized myself playing music with my family outside of the church. I did this quite often. So midways my meditations, I will always find myself back behind the big chief. Now don't get me wrong. If I'm on a bass drum with the great support team of singers, tambourine and cowbell players, 
we most definitely, we're going to have a great time. But nevertheless, it was time for me to come from behind the big chief. Then once the work day was over, I would go back on the yard and continue my workout. Then once in the dorm, I would sketch out either the drum kit that I was playing or the Indian regalia that I was wearing during that week meditation that day. You know, after frequently visiting these two dimensions for some time, those sketches became really elaborate and deeply engraved in my subconscious. And then, the day that Walter was looking forward to had arrived. He served his time and was free to do as he pleased. For some, a release from prison means being lost and not having a clear path. But Walter had imagined what his path would be. And the things that he imagined started happening right away. Once I was released from jail, I got a call from a family friend who heard I had come home. He asked me, would I be interested in playing in the band that he was trying to put together? I told him, of course, I would be honored. This would be the first band that I played in outside of the church. And the name of this band was The H Factor. We played this outside venue called The Gazebo, which was in the French quarters in New Orleans. We played there every Saturday, and we really didn't make much money. I really just wanted to play music and share my vibration, the vibration that was within me at that moment. And it was about more me being part of the industry that my family was so embedded in. So then I met this guy named Everett Eglin, who used to come over and hear us play from time to time. I didn't know at that time. But during my break, we had a talk, and he was asking me would I be interested in joining his band. He said he, need, he needed a drummer, and... He came over a couple of times to hear me and thought that I would fit in well with what they were playing. So I took him on. It became the second band that I was playing with. And the name of this band was Brother Tyrone and the Mindbenders. So now this lead me to play with two bands. I was really excited about this situation. Not to mention the only difference was that Brother Tyrone did a little traveling between New Orleans and Destin, Florida. And I had never been to, been to Destin, Florida, nor had I ever traveled playing music. So I really was looking forward to this experience. After the experience with traveling with Brother Tyrone and playing with the H Factor, I'm now working at Parkway Commission and I'm making some money. I start to work on this Indian suit that I had been drawing on when I was in prison. At least I'm able to start buying the materials to build the suit. The energy suit drew this guy into my life named Smiley Ricks, who happened to be a percussionist for Dr. John. Not only was he a percussionist, but he also was a big chief from a tribe on the West Bank. Smiley was developing a band as well called Unane and needed a drummer and asked me would I be interested in joining his band. I couldn't be more than interested in joining an Indian band, a Mardi Gras Indian band at that. This was really, really exciting for me. 
At this point, I'm feeling really, really great about my life because I'm realizing how this creative imagination is really coming into play. You know, all the things that I've been imagining are actually happening. And so now I'm in these three bands, but due to construction at the gazebo, the H factor dissolved. And it left me with playing with two bands. And that was Unani and Brother Tyrone. Playing with the Unani band, I was able to play a festival that I had never played before, which is called the French Quarter Festival. In between changing sets with Marvel Wright, whom happened to be a very great blues singer here in New Orleans, I got a chance to conversate with an elder drummer named Herlin Blanchard. Our manager at the time was managing this trumpet player called Mervyn Campbell. They called him Kid Merv. And he was asking the drummer from Marvel Wright, Mr. Hurling, could he make a gig at Donna's, which was a jazz club. Mr. Hurling, fortunately for me, wasn't able to make the gig. After hearing him ask Mr. Hurling about the gig, I became pretty interested in the gig. And so I asked Eric, would it be possible for me to make the gig? And he questioned my ability to play traditional jazz. And even though I knew that I didn't know a lot of the repertoire, I told him that I did. And he did give me the gig. That experience led me to understand the power of the subconscious. Earlier on, when I was younger, I did ground maintenance and yard work with my father. We used to cut a lot of lawns and do a lot of landscapes. However, in the morning time, before noon, I could only listen at WWOZ, which was his choice of station. They only offered traditional jazz. From the afternoon on, I was allowed to listen at whatever I wanted to listen at. I really wasn't into the traditional jazz scene at that time. I didn't think it was really hip. I was offered to the bands like Cool and the Gang and Ohio Players, Midnight Star, and all of these guys. Not to mention that hip-hop was the new thing coming out. And, you know, traditional jazz was just the older style of music that I had not yet grown up to enjoy or appreciate. Not to mention, going on this gig with Kid Merv, a lot of these songs I didn't think I knew. As he went to play these songs, they start to sound really familiar to me. And I realized that these songs weren't as foreign to me as I thought they were. I felt very comfortable approaching these songs. I just didn't know the traditional style, the press roll style that they normally play in traditional jazz. Nevertheless, I swung the gig out, played it with integrity and respect. And we had a great gig. And Kid really enjoyed it. So he hired me as well. And now I'm playing with Kid Merv the Unane Band, and Brother Tyrone. And as great as the experience is with these groups, I'm starting to hear more, I'm starting to see more, and I'm starting to want more out of this experience. Walter was playing in three bands, and the life he had imagined he would have as he lied down in that prison cell was actually happening. The experiences he had growing up and in prison shaped the way he would perform, and the uniqueness that that was and became who Walter Harris is as a person and a musician. 
Being the lead drummer in Preservation Hall Jazz Band would come years later. But the seeds that he had sown were starting to sprout. But when Walter was imagining his life outside of prison, he also knew that he wanted to get back to being part of the Mardi Gras Indians. Back on episode one, Walter talked about how he discovered the dance and rhythm of these tribes. And he was totally captivated by the masks, the costumes, and the intensity. He dreamed of masking and becoming part of this tribe. And he was ready. He had made his apron. I was looking forward to messing with these guys for many years. And the day have come where we bring our aprons to the big chief so that he can look over them and improve them. Unfortunately, he disapproved my apron. He said my apron was too big. It wasn't long before the word was out that my apron was disapproved. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. Next time on Finding Life's Rhythm, we unpack Walter Harris's relationship with the Mardi Gras Indians and how the complicated bond has shaped his vibration in both life and music. Thanks for listening to Finding Life's Rhythm, a podcast about musician Walter Harris. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts so you can be notified when the next episode comes out in two weeks. This episode is written and produced by Jason Gillikin, Greg Lucas, and me, Sierra Thompson, for EarFluence. Music for the episodes are original compositions from Walter Harris. For more on Preservation Hall, be sure to visit preservationhalljazzband.com. I'm Sierra Thompson, and we'll see you next time on Finding Life's Rhythm.